When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Thank you for downloading the latest episode of Positively Trek. We could not do this podcast without the support of our Patreon supporters, including Carl Morris, Joyce Marin, and Jim Stoffel. If you'd like to support the podcast, please go to patreon.com slash positivelytrek. Perks include early access to episodes, exclusive content, shoutouts, associate producer credits, and more. Thank you so much for your support. And with that, let's get on with the show. Are you taking all these books? I thought I'd take some light reading, in case I got bored. Ulysses by James Joyce? Ethics, Sophistry, and the Alternate Universe? Ving Kuda, you call that light reading? To each his own, number one. Here we go, another episode of the Positively Trek Book Club. I'm Dan Gunther. With me, as always, is Bruce Gibson. Bruce, are you ready to dive back into the Lost Era once again? I feel so lost that I want to dive into it. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, the Lost Era. It's it's a lot of fun. We've been reading all of these books. I've had them on my shelves for years. A lot of them I've never gotten to. And this week we're talking about another one that I've never read before. Sat there on my shelf with a young unbearded Will Riker on the cover staring back at me and first of all man is is unbearded Will Riker just weird looking right <laughs> I guess so yeah yeah because we're so used to him with the beard but um it's weird too because I had to picture him without the beard throughout the book because he's a mm-hmm. cadet for most of it so is picturing this younger beardless Will Riker I guess, yeah, since once we hit season two, he's always had a beard, except when we got to Insurrection, he briefly shaved. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely strange to have to picture that young version of him. as And it's funny, I was also having to picture the cadet uniform and stuff. I kept picturing him in his, you know, officer uniform, like, wait, nope, nope, nope. They're all in their cadet uniforms. Got to remember that. So, And then we had to picture him in his gold uniform. Later. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think I forgot to do that. And I think I put him in red with an ensign pip because he was a helmsman. So I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, because at one point they mentioned he put on his yellow or gold uniform. I remember they said that. I was like, oh, yeah, I got to go there. Yeah. I think I might have done that for a little while. And then it just switched to red in my head. And I was like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, I should say the name of the novel that we're talking about. So we're talking about a novel of the lost era. This one is called deny thy father by author Jeff Marriott. So yeah, uh, a fairly newcomer author at the time he had written, I think one Starfleet Corps of engineers novella up to this point, but this was his first, I believe full length star Trek novel. Yes. As far as I know, that's correct. So then I saw in the back of the book that he owns or co-owned a bookstore a sci-fi bookstore in San Diego. So I looked up their website and it had the about section and his name was there, but it also stated that he and the people who owned it with him just sold it like a year ago. Oh shoot. Okay. (laughs) I was, I was wondering because I was going to look that up myself and I thought that would be so cool to visit there sometime and see if he's in and and say, Hey, and that kind of thing. But, Oh, that's too bad. But uh, yeah, I I hope whatever he's doing now, he's, he's having a good life. (laughs) I know we're just a little too late to go in and go see him. So, Oh, wow. But you know, it's in San Diego where Comic-Con is and they actually had a section on there about Comic-Con. So they would do, 
panels or events at Comic-Con because they're right there, right? So uh, they are active in that. Well, not him necessarily, but the bookstore. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that would be really, really neat. Uh, darn, I, I actually had that in the back of my head to go visit there someday and just have that on some very lengthy bucket list of some kind. So, oh, well. Oh, well. Nah. Well, we'll dive right into this book. It's uh, it's an interesting one. Again, like I said, it's one that I had never read before. Bruce, had you read this one before this time around? I had not. I think I've only read maybe three or so of the Lost Era novels, and this was not one of them. So this is my mm-hmm. first time reading about young Will Riker. Interesting. Okay. Well, yeah, the the book centers around two Rikers, actually. We have Will Riker, of course, and we kind of follow a bit of his Starfleet Academy career and then the very beginning of his career as a Starfleet officer. But we also focus a lot on Kyle Riker, his father, whom we met in the season two TNG episode, The Icarus Factor, and never appeared otherwise in canon Star Trek. He's popped up in other novels, though, as well, that we have talked about on literary treks back in the day, uh, which is something that's going to come up a little later in the novel, because I have something to kind of say about that. But first of all, the the format of this book, with the story talking about Kyle Riker and then the parallel story of Will Riker, where they're, they're very separate for most of the novel, and then they kind of come together a little bit at the end. What did you think of that format when you're reading this book? How did that work for you? Well, before I give you my answer, I just looked it up because I knew I had it in my browsing history. It's Mysterious Galaxy Bookstore is the one Mm. in San Diego, in case anybody is wondering. Excellent. Yeah. But uh, no, this worked for me. I did not go in with any expectations. I had no idea what this book was going to play. I didn't even read the blurb or anything. I just was like, okay, it's got Will Riker. It's a lost era. So it's something that takes place. I think it starts in what, 2355, I think is something like that. I I like the two storylines playing out because we're following Will Riker as he's going through the academy and then going into you know, his full officer duties on a starship on the Pegasus. And then we're also following what Kyle Riker was doing at that time. So you had these two parallel storylines going on that didn't have any relationship to each other, except for the fact that this is one's a father and one's a son and they're totally different paths. So you're watching how they're handling the situations somewhat similar and then somewhat different. And then, yeah, it all comes together at the end. We've read many Star Trek books, even recently, new and old, where there's two storylines that rarely have anything to do with each other, sometimes don't even meet together at the end. But I liked how it does meet at the end, but it works well with what we see later in TNG. Yeah, absolutely. I actually was not even expecting them to come together at the end. I kind of thought they would just be two parallel storylines with kind of similar themes, like you said, and similar, you know, the two men are a lot alike, but you know, when, in how they handle situations and that sort of thing. But I was actually surprised when it came together at the end, just in a slight interesting way. So yeah, I, I was pleasantly surprised by how much I enjoyed the, the format of this novel. And like you're saying, I like how it comes together at the end without really being a big come together, right? It's, it's done very subtly because of what we see later in the second season of TNG. And so in a lot of ways, Kyle gets to see where Will is, but Will isn't really that aware what Kyle's doing, you know? Yeah. So it's kind of nice. Definitely. Yeah, it definitely fits in well with what we see in in that episode in TNG. So yeah, top marks for, for making that all match up. Which, by the way, I just watched that episode an hour ago. I figured you would. You're so good at that. I, lo- I love that. I keep wondering. I was like, I want to read this, finish this book so I can watch the episode. And then I finished the book yesterday, but I didn't have a chance to watch the episode. And then all of a sudden I just had this like one moment this evening where I was like, I can watch it before we record. <laughs> so you got to enjoy the, the melodrama in that episode and the high emotions. And of course the Anbo Jitsu fight which is just you know the peak of of martial arts and and yeah <clears throat> anyway yeah and you know i've seen that episode before i saw it when it first came out and i've seen it since but i you know it really works well with this book 
to read this book because this does feel like the next chapter to this book in a lot of ways. And also I enjoyed seeing Pulaski because I I was just like watching that episode. I'm like, why so much hate that people have for Pulaski? I thought she was great in that episode. Yeah, definitely. And of course we would be remiss if we didn't mention that that is revealed in that episode that uh, Pulaski knew Kyle Riker quite well, (laughs) which comes up in this novel, but you know, I, I'm I'm using G-rated language, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And the name of that episode is the, was it the Icarus Factor? Yeah, that's right. The Icarus Factor, TNG Season 2. Season 2, yes. So, yeah, and we get to get even, you know, a nice Wharf storyline, and we get some good O'Brien stuff in there, too. <laughs> yep, definitely. Well, with this novel, I think the best thing to do is probably to discuss the two storylines that are going on. So I kind of want to start with Kyle Rikers because, I don't know, it's pretty evenly split, but it does feel like a Kyle Riker novel to me more than a Will Riker novel. And I don't know why I get that impression. Hmm. They're pretty even, I guess, but... I, it definitely feels like Kyle is a bit more of the focus here. And we get this kind of murder plot against him where his life is being threatened by Starfleet, it seems. It seems like there's some sort of force within Starfleet that's threatening his life. And I'm going to say also we're going to get into spoilers pretty quickly here because things kind of take off pretty fast in this novel where he's attacked by this guy in his home and it's pretty intense. Like I, if I didn't know this character was going to appear later on in TNG, I'd be worried that, you know, reading this, it would be Kyle Riker's death. And then Riker has to find out what happened. Like Will Riker has to find out what happened or something. But I felt the danger. It felt like he was in real mortal peril a few times. I kept thinking it reminded me of the first episode of Picard. In the apartment. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the attack going on in the apartment and all the fighting going on. I thought that's what, what's where my head went. Yeah, I was. it was interesting that we got this because, again, I wasn't really going in expecting anything. So just the fact that we're seeing Kyle Riker being attacked and there's something weird going on in the Federation and why it seems that he's being set up or why is somebody after him and... You know, there's there's just a lot of that going on, and it says it, it feels like it's a mystery, right? Almost mm-hmm. like a murder type mystery or something, and you're afraid that he's going to get murdered. But what's interesting is then how he goes into hiding, and how he gets onto this ship, and he's hiding on this ship, and it's like with this other guy, and all this stuff going on. I found it interesting, but. And I know we're going to hit this later with the Will Riker storyline, but I found myself liking and I was more into the Will Riker storyline more so than I was in the Kyle Riker storyline. I think I would tend to agree with you on that one. I was it was kind of like when I get to a Will Riker chapter, I'm like, oh, okay, cool. What's going to happen next? And the Kyle Riker chapter, I was like, okay. All right, let's let's see what's going to happen here. But, you know, okay, I'll get through this kind of thing. Not. That sounds worse than I mean it. Right. You know, I I was enjoying it, but I was really eager to get back to the Will Riker stuff for sure. The other thing I want to mention is you say he goes on the run. At one point, he finds out that there are Starfleet officers coming to arrest him. Like there's, you know, for some reason they're going to arrest him for some crime he's apparently committed. And he decides to run with the help of a little cameo by Ben Sisko, which is kind of cool. Yeah, because he trusts Ben Sisko because, or no, I should say Ben Sisko trusts Kyle and what mm-hmm. Kyle is saying because Curzon has spoken so highly of him. And if Curzon likes him, then he's cool. Yeah, I thought that was neat. There wasn't like a huge established relationship there, but it was like, I'll trust this guy because of what I've heard and someone else that I trust kind of vouches for him. And we're, you have to picture Cisco in a cadet uniform in this one too. Yeah, yeah, or a young officer or a young uniform. Officer, yeah. yeah, and clean yeah. shaven. <laughs> clean shaven, of course. But hair yeah. on the head. <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah, Kyle Riker goes on the run and I couldn't help but think 
I, I don't know if he's in any other novels than this one and when he shows up in the A Time To series, but it was interesting that in the A Time To series, he's also on the run having been suspected of committing a crime. And I was like, that's weird. <laughs> like, this just seems to come up a lot in this guy's life. Well, I don't remember. I know we read those together, but I don't remember exactly how that played out, but this novel was out. No, a time two series came out before this novel. Uh, 2004. Where's the time two? Okay. So a time two novels came out a year after this novel did. So this probably that in what was mentioned in the time two novels was probably referring to this one then. Yeah, it could be, but it's also funny that in the, in those, a time two books, he's on the run on this other planet, having been suspected of committing murder in that book. So it's, it's weird that this comes up at least twice in his life. Kyle on the run. <laughs> Kyle there you go. on the run. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's definitely a pattern. You know, he, he's a rogue, right? He, he kind of has to go on his own and he's not going to trust the system and that kind of thing. And especially in this novel, because the system is out to get him. Apparently he knows that, you know, he's being targeted in something weird conspiracy or something like that. So yeah, he definitely takes things into his own hands a lot. Well, that's what Rikers do, right? They take things into their own hands. So that, mm -hmm. again, there's the parallel with, with Will, cause Will would do this. Would that's a, okay. Here's a good question. Would Will, would he have done the same thing in that situation? That's a good question. I think Will's a survivor, so he would do something similar to get himself out of the situation. Maybe not exactly the lengths that Kyle goes to, but I feel like, hmm, that's a good question, though, because then we get the other thing with Riker's past, which isn't really explored in this book, but uh, when he's on the Pegasus and he sees his captain being threatened by the rest of the crew, so he defends his captain, so... You know, he's all about duty and following the letter of the law. So maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, I'm I'm I would think that Will wouldn't necessarily run. He would try to solve it and try to convince others, you know, that we you know, this isn't right. And, you know, we need to figure this out and we need to handle this. I don't see him running. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I'm not sure. It'd be interesting to see what he would do. But yeah, like we said, Kyle does go on the run and he books passage on this freighter and we meet this alien race called the Creelin. I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but we have the Creel. That's that's a different alien race, but these are the Creelin. I don't know if they're any relation. Does They don't seem, sound similar. They're like from cousins. From their descriptions. They're like cousins of the Creel. Okay. The, I missed that. That's cool. No, I don't know. I'm making that up. Oh, okay. <laughs> the, I was going to say the description sounds nothing alike. The so. Creel and the Creel in. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I love this uh, section or I, I found it interesting anyway, when Kyle's on this freighter and meeting the captain, the captain of, of these ships, they're ceremonially blinded so they can pilot the ship better. They look like cucumbers. Yeah, they look like big cucumbers with like 16 eyes on them or something like that. I started thinking, am I watching Doctor Who? Like, it just sounded like a Doctor Who character to me, you know? Yeah, it was a little different for sure. Um, on this freighter, he meets another human. There's apparently one other passenger uh, who goes by the name of John Abbott. But like Kyle, he's kind of on the run and has changed his name and stuff. What did you think of this character at first when we first met him? I, I, when I first met him, I thought, okay, he's somebody we can't trust. Like he's, he's maybe in on something, you know, maybe he's, maybe he's there because he's been following Riker and he's in on this oh, thing to get him or something. Like I kept thinking like there's, it can't be just like, he's just there. there there's gotta be more to him, which in a sense later there is, which was one of my favorite parts of the book. Yeah, I definitely had the feeling like, okay, he's going to sell Kyle out at some point. Like, I didn't right. think he was in on it from the start, but like, he's going to like save his own butt by turning Kyle in or something like that. 
he's just he's so good at this being on the run thing you know giving kyle advice about changing his name and all that kind of stuff i was like oh what's going on with this guy but it turns out he's a murderer i that was surprising i was actually really really surprised at that part was it starfleet officers that showed up yeah yeah so starfleet shows up to the freighter saying like oh you're harboring a fugitive we need to get aboard and of course kyle's like well this is it he just kind of sits in his quarters waiting and i'm thinking the same thing yeah absolutely i was like oh shoot well he's how's he gonna get out of this one right but no they were there for this john abbott guy who's apparently like a a not a mass murderer but like he's murdered multiple times yeah, because they get to Kyle, so they go back to their cabins when they hear, oh, these Starfleet officers are on board, and the captain's like, you probably want to go back to your cabins or lay low or whatever. And when the Starfleet officers show up to Kyle's cabin, what do you know about John Abbott? He's like, oh, what? Like, why are they asking about John Abbott? Because that's who they were after. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh, whoosh, dodge that bullet. Yeah. And and they say something like, um, what do you know about the guy who called himself John Abbott? <laughs> he's like, why are you speaking in the past tense? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's apparently, uh, he killed himself rather than be taken in. Yeah. Yeah. That part was very surprising to me. I really liked that part of the book because I, I didn't yeah. see that coming. I, I was totally, totally shocked by that. Absolutely. Yeah. And I can hear somebody going, oh, I knew that was going to happen. Well, guess what? I didn't. So. Yeah, neither did I. And I'm and I'm uh, I'm strong enough to be able to admit it. <laughs> Same here. I'm strong enough to admit that I'm not smart, okay? There you go. <laughs> well, from there Kyle makes his way to this planet. And this is kind Wait, of you the didn't other... say I'm sorry, but you didn't say no, you're you're smart, but go on, Dan, please. I'm sorry. <laughs> so Kyle makes his way <laughs> <laughs> No, you're smart. You're smart. No, 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 no. Keep going. (laughs) Well, Kyle eventually um, makes his way from there to this planet. And this is kind of the other major section of Kyle's story here where uh, he takes up a job kind of working to earn money to pay his way. And he's living in this kind of rundown section of the planet where down and out people end up living where there's just kind of a bunch of abandoned buildings and they, they live in these squatters basically living in these uh, abandoned buildings. And he becomes involved with one of the, one of the locals, this human who's going by the name of Rebecca and they develop this close relationship and he kind of soon becomes part of this local resistance group to the oppressive government And he, because he's a strategic planner, right? He's like a strategic mind who's worked for Starfleet. He helps plan actions against the government. This was a really interesting part of the book. I I still don't know exactly how I feel about it because I was getting really invested in it, but at the same time, kind of wondering where's this all going to go and all that kind of stuff. What did you think when you were reading this part of the book? I wasn't, this wasn't like my favorite part of the book, but... I wasn't disinterested in it either. I, yeah, I think to your point, I was just wondering, where is this going to go? What what are we trying to set up here? What are we trying to convey in this part of the story? Because he's not even just there, but he's there for a year. Like he's there for a long period of time, which I could see that he's in hiding. But at the same time, I thought I would think that he would go into hiding for a short period of time and then come back to try to gain his life back and clear his name and try, you know, it almost felt to me that he was there for the long term. I mean, longer than a year, because after what events happened later, he probably would have stayed longer. And it sounded like he was settling his roots and he was just, he was established there because he does fall in love. And it appeared as if he had no reason to go back. And, of course, we know that he eventually does go back, but it was very odd to me because this planet, what was happening, and like you're saying, he's in this down and out area. It was just, it was different, I guess is what I'm trying to say. It's, it was kind of a unique situation that I hadn't seen in a Star Trek book before. I found it interesting that the planet had different countries 
you know, which is something we don't usually see in Star Trek. Like a planet is a planet usually with like kind of a unified thing. But yeah, he was in a particular country that was at times at war with other countries around them and stuff. And it felt very 20th, 21st century in how it was all going on. But the, the army had like, you know, energy weapons and that kind of thing. So they had like more advanced technology, but they weren't as advanced socially as like planets in the Federation and stuff. It was definitely a different take, which I kind of appreciated. I liked that exploration of these worlds that are kind of on the fringes that aren't part of the Federation. It reminded me of like an outer rim territory in star Wars or something like not part of the, the core group, if that makes sense. That's the one complaint that I've had for with star Trek for years. And really like you just mentioned star Wars and other things is that a planet just seems to be like one nation, you know, or, one little territory of something. I mean, how many times do we go to a planet and there's just this one leader, you know, and you know, there's going to be multiple countries or multiple establishments with their own governments or, or whatever, or you get to a planet and there's only two and they're fighting each other. Right. (laughs) I was going to say like the one time in the next generation where there's more than one, it's so weird. There's two of them. How do we negotiate with them? (laughs) Yeah. One of my nitpicks about star Wars and star Trek doesn't do this nearly as much, but you know, in star Wars, like, Oh, if you see a desert, then the whole planet's a desert. If you see Mm -hmm. snow, the whole planet's snow, like you can have different environments, but you know, this, the whole thing about that army, though, was unsettling because as there was this festival going on the street and what they were doing was apparently breaking the rules or was a little illegal or whatever, that when the army or the police or whatever they are, the law enforcement people come, they just start killing people, you know, Ugh. and they use it as an excuse because they want to eventually rid of these people. They they're beneath them. They don't contribute anything to society. And it's almost like they're looking for an excuse. So just imagine if you're at a festival and maybe you're, you know, maybe having some little illegal drugs or something and the cops show up and they just come and they just shoot you mm-hmm. and it's, and it's allowed. Yeah. That was a really chilling part of the book. Like, yeah, that, that was really disturbing for sure. And yeah, the response like of the government. So their response to that, which was just a street festival, like that was brutal. But then later on, they do an actual like disruption of a, of a government, you know, there's a parade going on because, you know, some local official is being promoted or something like that. And they, they disrupt the goings on. The response to that is just awful. They level the whole neighborhood basically. And, call for the arrest of the people they know who are involved. This was one part, again, this book several times goes in directions that I'm not expecting at all because they all have a a nom de guerre, right? Like a kind of code name that they're using because they don't want to give their real names. Uh, Kyle Riker isn't involved. He's staying back and he's going by a different name right now anyway. But Rebecca, this woman whom he loves is involved and goes by the nom de guerre Kyle Riker in honor of him, which I'm like, that is a really stupid decision if Kyle Riker is trying to lay low. So I was like, okay, this name's going to appear on some sort of report or something and Starfleet's going to get wind of it and they're going to come here and get him. That's totally where I thought that was going to go. But, you know, Kyle's like, yeah, that's fine. Take my name, use that. But there's a little bit of mixed identity thing later that happens because of that but it totally didn't go the way i thought it would i was like oh my god i can't believe she's using this name that's gonna blow up in their face and and that part was really interesting to me because that character he revealed about himself to her and when we saw earlier in the book with this john abbott giving him advice never go by your real name and if you make up a fake name don't just make up the the last name fake and keep your real first name. It's too much of a clue. Make the whole name totally different, which he does when he gets to this planet. Mm-hmm. And then as he falls in love with this woman over a long period of time, she basically convinces him to start to reveal who he really is to her and why he's there. And she starts to reveal things about herself to him. And I'm thinking, 
oh, this cannot be good. He now it's out in the open with this one person and and I feel that we could trust her and I feel that he could trust her. But I also knew that he's opened this can of worms and somehow she's going to mess up and reveal something or something that's going to work against him. But it doesn't. Yeah. And I thought that like her going by that name as a code name was the mess up. Like I thought that would lead to a whole other thing, but it just kind of doesn't. Right. Which was interesting, I guess. I don't know. And that, I still don't know how I feel about that. And that's one thing I like about this book, because there are some things like that that occur where I'm like, oh, this is what's got. Oh, no, that didn't. Oh, well, you know where mm-hmm. this is going to go. Oh, wait, it didn't. And so I really appreciated that. Yeah. And this was definitely one of those. And there are a few, like you said, for sure. Uh, so what's interesting is after this whole experience, Rebecca is killed by the government forces, which is, you know, horribly tragic and and all that kind of thing. I'm trying not to think of it as her character being fridged because I think she has more of an importance to the plot than just impetus for Kyle Riker. But at the same time, there's a little bit of that. I feel like she was killed because of the impact that it has on Kyle's character more than anything, which is kind of unfortunate, but uh, yeah, the less said about that, I guess the better, but when that's all said and done, Kyle decides, I guess I'm going to make my way back to Federation space now and, and face this down and, and figure out what's going on, which again, like I'm enjoying the story and I'm not faulting anything here, but it's not where I expected it to go at all. I was like, Oh, this, this part of the story just kind of peters out and he decides well, I better go back and and try and figure this out now. I thought there'd be kind of something else that led to something there, but instead, do you know what I mean? Like he just kind of went back home? Yeah, because he goes into hiding. And as I mentioned before, he's in hiding for the long term. And Mm -hmm. you're expecting that he's going to end up back, but not on his own. Something is going to take him back. Well, of course, the ship took him back, but not not him electing to leave. He is pulled back by someone or something happens where he feels like he has to go back. But to your point, everything is essentially destroyed in his new life. And then he just goes, oh, well, I guess I'll just go back home. But then again, if you look at the pattern of his life, this is a reoccurring theme for him. He was married. He had a son. His wife died while his son was really young. And he just never got over that loss of his wife. And so he was always looking to escape and he escaped through his job and he abandoned his son. And now here he's in an awkward situation where people suspect that he had something to do with the star base that was attacked by the Tholians because he's the only survivor. So what does he do? He runs away and he tries to start a new life. And when that life is destroyed, he runs again. And he again, he does a lot of running, but it's to the point where it's like he can never get ahead. Right. It just feels like in his life, he's always having to start all over again. And mm-hmm. I think at this point, instead of going to another planet and trying to start all over again, I think he just realized he's got to just give in and face the consequences and try to fix things that are going on back home. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, this is shortly before where Kyle's story comes back in, like to the end of the novel. So I think here's probably a good time to jump over to the Will Riker side of things, because there's a lot of interesting stuff happening with him, which I really enjoyed. So in this novel, we're seeing a lot of his time at Starfleet Academy, which I thought was a lot of fun because, you know, it's a time of characters' lives we don't see a lot of outside of the young adult Starfleet Academy novels. So this was fun that it was more of a more adult perspective than that. But the first major thing that we see from Riker's time at the Academy is this kind of cool survival test that Admiral Paris has them go through where they're transported along with the rest of their squadron into San Francisco in different places. So the team's all scattered and they all have to, do these checkpoints and follow these clues and find their way out of this mess kind of thing. And the kind of fun thing about it is it's basically based on 
the adventures of Kirk and his crew in Star Trek for the voyage home when they were back in time in the eighties in San Francisco, which I thought that was a fun little callback there. It never occurred to me until you just said that it never did. they, (laughs) They do mention it at one point. It said the test was based on the experiences of, of, Kirk and his crew when they had found themselves in the 20th century in San Francisco or something. It's just one line, but I was like, Oh, that's neat. <laughs> yeah. And I guess I just kind of passed off that line. I didn't think about it again since, but I mean, yeah, I can see that for sure. Yeah. They have, they're around San Francisco. I think it was funny how they beam them into different places and they have to find a way to get, you know, to meet somewhere central that they had planned ahead of time. And I was really worried about the one cadet who was on Alcatraz Island. <laughs> yeah. And he's the leader and he had the clue, like yeah. the clue to help them find that. I was like, oh, no, this is bad. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I really did enjoy them getting around the city and trying to find the clues and work together as a team and learning about their different personalities with each other. And the one guy that was a little piece of work, a little kind of controversial you know and with them and and you know some flirtation going on and yeah i really enjoy it It was a lot of fun and then when they met up with the other cadets the other group and the competition between them are trying to one up to oh well we're almost done and oh you're only you know and then they find they really were done but of course they get (laughs) into a fight with fish yeah the fish incident i think (laughs) is great i love that that probably you know, remains a memorable thing for the Academy. Like this is like something that happened that probably gets told about a lot, but yeah, I really enjoyed this part of the book. It was a lot of fun, uh, especially, you know, them exploring San Francisco and, and trying to figure out the clues and stuff. And like you said, finding out about the personalities of everyone. So this Dennis Haynes guy who is the, the group leader for this particular one, he hasn't led a mission yet, seems kind of a little introverted, a little withdrawn. Uh, he's the one that ends up on Alcatraz and we have uh, Estressor Phil, this alien woman who you know we learn a bit about and felicia mendoza who's obviously into Riker, but Riker's is just like totally dense for most of the novel uh and then the other guy whose name like i even looked up on memory beta and i couldn't like of all the lists of all the characters in the book i could not remember which one he was they're talking about like Starfleet's all about cooperation and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, no, it's not. Shut up. We're all just trying to get ahead. I'm going to get in that captain's chair before any of you, Bob. I'm like, how the heck is this guy going to last in Starfleet? And then I remembered like some of the captains that Kirk encounters. And I was like, oh shoot, I guess maybe those guys do make it in Starfleet a bit. Well, they make it to the Admiral level and they become badmills, right? (laughs) Right. Oh, that was, yeah, I did not like him at all. But didn't they say that he usually wasn't like that? That they thought it was kind of strange the way he was acting? Yeah, or or like the real him was coming out now yeah. or something like that. Because there was a little bit of stress, so suddenly he's just, he was really pessimistic the whole time too. They're like, oh, let's follow this clue and maybe we'll go here. And he's like, oh, we're just going to waste time and it's not going to lead to anything, blah, blah. Like he, not only was he just like unpleasant, he was also like just a downer. Yeah. A Debbie downer. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I really did not like him. I was really surprised how like over the top he was actually. Yeah. But, uh, at least he's, I don't, we kind of abandoned that character later. I mean, we really don't get much of him after this. Yeah. I feel like I, I was trying to remember, like, did they mention that he washed out at some point or something? Cause he just kind of disappears. Yeah. Like, I don't remember seeing him. I don't either. I guess he just wasn't part of their friend group anymore after that, which is probably for the best. Well, Riker had a history of that though. Remember? Because then we do find out he's, he doesn't really stay close with his friends. Yeah, apparently. So there's a bunch of stuff that happens with Riker through the Academy and we could talk about a lot of it. So like the, the shuttle race where he ends up rescuing Paul Rice and all that stuff. That was interesting. But to me, like the big, the other big thing is right at the end, like in his final year and this Dennis guy who we've been talking about kind of comes to Riker and says, I'm failing my classes. I'm just up over my head in this stuff. I can't get through it. I need your help. 
I need you to tutor me because if you don't devote all of this time to tutoring me and, and helping me through this with even just the most basic stuff, I really need help with absolutely everything, I'm going to fail. And if you can't do that, then at least help me cheat. <laughs> and of course he's not going to help him cheat. No, of course not. Yeah. Like that's right off the table immediately. Right. But Riker's in a situation where he has to d- decide because, you know, finals are coming up basically. And, you know, he's got to do what he needs to do to keep his grades high so that when he graduates, he gets a great posting. I mean, this is his career, but he wants to help his friend. He just can't help his friend as much as his friend wants to, because then he's sacrificing his grades. You know, it's going to affect how he scores. And I, I thought it was a bit selfish on his friend's part to feel that, that Riker should devote all his time to helping his friend get through something that he could have asked for earlier. And he pointed that out to him. But what really then started to piss me off is Riker's girlfriend. Okay, yes. <laughs> right? Who's just like, what's wrong with you, Will? You should be doing this. You should be helping him. You should not be thinking of yourself. And Will's like, but it's going to take everything I worked for away from what I've done. And he could have done something earlier. He could have, and he waited to the last minute to do this. And I offered to help. He kept saying, I've offered. I just can't give him as much time as he wants. He wants a whole day. I told him I'd give him a couple hours. And she was, she basically broke up with him for the most part <laughs> because of this. that kind of blew my mind. Cause yeah, right. Like you said, Riker said like, I will help you out. I'll help you out an hour here and there. And, and I can, I'll give you as much time as I possibly can. And I was like, Oh, that's a nice compromise. And his friend just blows up at him. He says, Oh, well, if you can't give me like, I need more than that. I can't get just this little pittance of help. I need all of this help. You need to devote all this free time, any spare moment you have to help me. And, and Riker's like, dude, I, I can't, I'm sorry. And I, I was appalled at his, at Dennis's behavior there, first of all. And then, like you said, his girlfriend who Riker finally got together with after like three years, because he's really dense and can't figure out when someone likes him. Yeah. She's just jumping down his throat about not helping Dennis to the extent that he wanted him to like his friend's reaction was so over the top in that initial scene that I started to think, Oh, this must be a test. Like this is a Starfleet Academy unannounced test. Remember like we saw with Wesley having to talk to the Zalconian or whatever, you know, Oh, he has webbed fingers, blah, blah. I thought it was something like that. Like Dennis was set up by, some of the like teachers to see if Riker would cheat, if if Riker would help him cheat to like establish his character. But no, this is actually all happening as it appears here. And his girlfriend, her her reaction is so over the top as well. It just seemed very strange to me. And I didn't understand that either, because if I were in the situation Dennis was in, I would not expect my, I would, I would go to my friend for help. But I would not expect my friend to devote all his time to helping me because I don't yeah. want to sacrifice you know, me because, you know, Dennis is basically saying I'm a failure. I suck and I don't know what I'm doing and I need help. If I felt that way, I'd be like, I'm not bringing you down. You know, I've messed yeah. this up myself. But just if you could devote some time to helping me and of course to ask somebody to help you cheat. You know, that's, yeah, you know, you're asking beyond the pale. Yeah. You're asking your friend to put, you know, his career on the line. He could get kicked out of school for this, but then it's like, you know, but then you look at it and you go, well, Dennis is just so desperate, but that's why it disappoints me that Will's girlfriend, Felicia is all of a sudden just like, yeah, you're wrong. Will you selfish jerk. <laughs> I was like, what? I would think she'd be like, how dare Dennis expect you to sacrifice your career and what, what you've done so hard. And you've even offered to help him and that's not good enough. It's not enough. I expect her to be that way. Yeah. So I can see absolutely. why you thought, oh, this was some kind of academy test that was set up 
because of how they both are reacting, which seemed unreasonable, but it wasn't a test. Yeah, it was actually, that's how it played out. And Riker kind of comes away from this discussion with Felicia doing some long, hard thinking about what his priorities are. And he decides his priorities are to get the absolute best grades he can. And he sacrifices everything else, his friendships and his relationship with Felicia, because he finds that that's taking away from his focus there as well. And the fact that she reacted so badly to this, I think, you know, probably figured into that decision more than he lets on in his internal monologue, because I would be really disappointed if I, if I didn't have at least some support for my decision in how I reacted with another friend. Like, you know, your partner doesn't necessarily have to agree with you on every little thing, but it seemed like she was totally unwilling to look at anything from his perspective, if that makes sense, you know, like she completely dismissed what Riker was saying and painted him as this villain for abandoning his friend and, casting him out into the into the winds or something and i was just that's not what happened no that's literally not what happened no but as much as i didn't like her reaction i felt like this was a setup as to why will Riker doesn't get together with troy on the enterprise for the longest period of time because it's an aspect i hadn't really thought that much about except for the fact that they're like well we're senior officers it's probably not good that we you know are together as a couple on a ship as senior officers. But if anything, I'm looking at it now is, well, Riker may be looking at it as like, I don't want to really get into a serious relationship because that relationship may get in my way. Mm-hmm. And the thing about it is that he's had relationships on the enterprise, but they weren't that serious. But Imzadi was always there. And yeah. like this latest up ep- this episode, I just watched, but had Kyle Riker and all the, and of course has Deanna in it. Riker is offered, Will Riker is offered the chance to be a captain of a ship. And at the end, he turns it down and doesn't really say why. It's just for personal reasons or whatever. But we've had some novels that play with the fact it's because Will kept turning these down because he really felt pulled into staying because of Deanna. He wanted to be with Deanna. So reading this book and watching that episode and him turning down the position of captain of this other starship made me look at it as if, This is Riker saying, you know what? I don't want to be in a serious relationship because it's going to affect my career. But because I have serious feelings for someone that I won't go for, it's still affecting my career. It's still affecting my decisions. So eventually, I think he gets to the point where he realizes he just has to give in. And then he ends up with Absolutely. No, and I definitely made that connection that like, oh, this is a pattern. This is going to continue absolutely yeah. through Riker's life. And by the, the way, this brief... Dennis came last in his class. <laughs> yes, last very last. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But he passed, but he did still yeah. pass. Yeah. So, you know, there you go. But the other thing I wanted to talk about with regards to Riker and Felicia was something that I've been saying like, oh, he was so dense. He didn't notice that he liked her or she liked him and stuff when it seemed pretty obvious. But I was putting myself back to my youth and that kind of thing and kind of trying to put myself in like college age. I was pretty dense when it came to that sort of thing as well. So I keep trying to have to remind myself, this isn't ladies man Riker. This isn't like future Riker where he's kind of got the game. He's pretty awkward and stuff. And I remember (laughs) there was this girl who, uh, when I went to the lockers once and I always like, this was in high school and I always kind of talked to her a little bit and just kind of, you know, friendly banter or whatever. And I was just like, it was always like a nice little highlight of my day that I was like, Oh, I get to talk to this person and stuff. And one day I walked to the lockers and like, she was just like in a mood kind of thing. And I was like, Oh, Hey, blah, blah, blah. And she turns to me and she said something along the lines of, you know, I hate it when people just flirt and flirt and flirt and don't, you know, actually like want to talk to me about anything serious or something. And I was like, ah. Oh, okay. And I just kind of like backed away and, and walked away and laughed because I had no idea what to do. Oh my. And it was, it was literally like a year or two later, I was like, oh man. <laughs> Cause I was so dead. So I'm like, okay, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Riker's pretty dense. Oh yeah. I have many 
uh, memories I look back on and go, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize, but now I think about it. Now I know what was going on. <laughs> I was like, like, oh shoot. Yeah. She liked me. Dang it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But see, I'm glad you brought this up because that's why I enjoyed the Riker, the Will Riker storyline more than the Kyle Riker storyline, because there was a lot of things that he was going through that I really related to. I don't relate Mm -hmm. into running away to another planet and changing my identity. Right. But I relate to relationships, you know, with friends, with girlfriends or potential girlfriends, you know, people that I'm interested in or whatever, you know, all these things I could relate to. And as we're discussing here, so that's why I was more into that because I had more of a relation. I identified more with Will than I did with Kyle. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And and that that makes a lot of sense for, for me as well, for sure. Well, we're coming to the part of the novel where the, the two stories kind of briefly touch each other a little bit. So Riker gets assigned to the USS Pegasus, which is under the command of Eric Pressman his commanding officer that we see in the season seven TNG episode, the Pegasus and Kyle Riker, like we said, has returned to earth to kind of draw out his attacker and, and all this kind of stuff. Now the Kyle Riker stuff, he's attacked first of all, by this guy who is catatonic apparently in a mental hospital of some sort, but now he's like, has his faculties back and attacks Kyle Riker and even after he's seemingly subdued, manages to grab a security officer's phaser and try again. And I'm just like, oh my goodness, Starfleet security, you need to just be a little bit more in your game here. <laughs> but so that's all kind of deepening the mystery there. Then he gets called to Starfleet command. And and one thing we haven't mentioned, there's these little interludes where someone is having a conversation with someone else. And they're like, oh, Kyle Riker escaped again. What should we do? Oh, we need to draw him out and do this. Okay, we need to do this. And there's this bit where he says, we need to get him to watch Will Riker die before we kill him or something like that. And it's like, oh, okay, perfect plan. So we get the impression this is what's being hatched here. He gets called to Starfleet Command. And it turns out the Pegasus is in this precarious situation where they're in this war zone between these two alien groups and they're you know captured by this one and threatened with destruction and all this stuff and kyle Riker, of course is at starfleet command watching this as it happens and this was interesting in this scene they they get around it there's some cool maneuvers by uh the pegasus crew they activate the auto destruct and fake out the aliens and all this kind of stuff. But after that's all said and done, Kyle Riker, with the help of Ensign Catherine Janeway, manages to kind of figure out what all is happening very quickly here. What did you think of like kind of how that all played out? So I, I, again, I didn't see this coming. So we have this bad moral (laughs) we find out, which that wasn't a surprise to me that Vice Admiral Bonner was the one behind this because i was a little suspicious of him but earlier in the book when we heard this dialogue of two people talking about wanting to get kyle and maybe we should kill his son i thought maybe it was some kind of alien race that was infesting Mm -hmm. bonner or something i was like is this tholians somehow like yes something like that but we come to find out that there's this mind control device that bonner's son had been developing and working with him on and his son had died on that space station 311. So when it was revealed, when Kyle sends Janeway, Ensign Janeway off to just, to, you know, would you go look up some things for me and come right back? And then she comes back and confirms for him what's going on. And then he does the reveal. I thought it worked a little too easy that they were too easily open to hearing him out and then just arresting Bonner. Like, Mm-hmm. I just felt like there would be more of uh, well, let's check this out. We need some more proof. How do you know what you're, but they kind of took him at his word. So I had a little bit of issues. It, like you said, it, it kind of went fast. It kind of wrapped up a little too, too clean for me. A little bit. Yeah. Which is a hallmark of, of some novels sometimes. Yeah. So I'm a little forgiving, but at the same time I was like, that, that was a nice, neat little package at the end for sure. Yeah, but I, I liked it in, in the fact that 
because you mentioned that the Pegasus was in this war zone area, it's because, you know, Bonner was behind them going there because, you know, he was willing to sacrifice this whole ship to kill off Will Riker to get to Kyle, you know, <laughs> and it's yeah. just like, but the fact that I love how Kyle hears Will Riker stand up when the first officer wasn't willing to do the self-destruct code with the captain. Will says, I'll do it, which he couldn't do it because he's not a senior officer. But Kyle hears and says, I recognize that voice. That's my son. That's my son standing up and, you know, I'll sacrifice my life to this mission. I, I like yeah. that part. I did like that. That was great. Absolutely. I also liked how it was kind of not really clear by the end if that Admiral Bonner really did have his like son's consciousness in his brain as well. Like they were kind of arguing or not arguing, but discussing things with one another, or if he was just, you know, off his rocker because of, of the trauma and that sort of thing. Like, I like that that's a little ambiguous at the end. Yeah. Kyle Riker says, I just think he's nuts, but you know, there's a possibility that he's got this, you know, his son's brain patterns in there as well or something. Exactly. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I liked it. I, I liked the, the storylines in here and, and the whole mind thing was, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if they, they worked in the whole idea that he was doing this mind suggestion technology because then Kyle then meets Deanna Troy for the first time and realizes his son is dating someone who can read minds in a sense, <laughs> you know, I never thought of that. I'll and, be honest. And weirds him out just a little because when I watched that episode again, he's like, Oh, you're beta Zoid, aren't you? Almost like a, Oh, <laughs> not sure what I think about that. Oh, that's interesting. Well, there's a couple other things that I see that we have in the notes here. Uh, that are really interesting that you've added here. So there is this part of Riker's Will Riker's time at the Academy where he's having to research a war hero. And there's some interesting, I guess, flashback chapters or where he's reading the diary of Thaddeus Riker from the Civil War. Uh, I thought that was a really interesting part of the novel, too. It was interesting. I don't know if it was really necessary. Um but it was interesting to see a relative, a Riker, Thaddeus Riker, fighting the Civil War, and he serves with Sherman, General Sherman, and is in Georgia, where I live, and so some locations I recognize, as they mentioned in here, but you know, they're, they're killing off Confederate soldiers, and they free slaves, and the slaves fight with them, and it just goes on for a while, which, again, I kind of enjoyed it, but I don't really know if it's necessary to the story, except that mm. it just portrays that Rikers are always the good guys and always up to sacrificing themselves and freeing others, and they're there to just be the hero. <laughs> yeah, it was in, an interesting part of the book. It was fun. But yeah, to your point, I guess I don't really see how fundamental it was to the book either that's a good point but i did enjoy it i thought that was interesting especially being someone from canada who doesn't get like the the immersion of the the civil war history that i'm sure people in the u.s do so it was an interesting little glimpse into a fiction a highly fictionalized version of that obviously but still interesting to find that in a star trek novel I hope it's not fictionalized. I hope it's true. <laughs> <laughs> and they, there was a brief little reference, if you caught it, to Q helping Thaddeus Riker uh, escape at one point. Or I should say the Q who would later become known as Quinn, which uh, was revealed in a Voyager episode. So it was just like a couple lines. I was like, oh, that's Q. That's cool. Oh, I didn't even pick up on that. Uh, he said like he was... Uh, he was wounded behind enemy lines and there was this uh, young soldier who helped him uh, back up. Whatever happened to that guy? I don't know. He just seemed to disappear at some point. I never saw him again. Interesting. <laughs> and I was like, ah, that's Q. That's Quinn. I missed that's that. Awesome. Totally missed it. Darn. Mm. <laughs> oh, wow. So another important, I think, 
theme of the novel, of course, that we've mentioned a little bit is the idea of duty and duty coming first. And you've got an interesting point in here about that as well. You said duty. <laughs> <laughs> you you put that in, in there just so I'd say it, didn't That's you? That's right. Uh, it really stood out to me at the end where after everything we just talked about, Kyle Riker is thinking about how he's always put duty first. And maybe he shouldn't have done that. He, he always put duty first, all other considerations, a distant second. And maybe that's just not the right, right way to lead his life. And so that's the lesson he learns, which then, of course, then he reconciles with his son, as I mentioned in season two of The Next Generation. But I found that interesting, too, because I thought about Will Riker being very similar to this, as we talked about earlier, about, you know, in the academy and he's putting his grades and his studies first before his friends and his girlfriend, and that they both seem to push people away from themselves. Kyle pushed Will away as a child and focused on his career. And now Riker has pushed away his girlfriend and his friends for his career. And it always becomes about the duty first. And I just thought it was interesting because to me, at the end of this novel, when that was mentioned, I thought, well, that really is the theme of the Rikers right? They're always putting their duty first above others. And I just thought that was interesting. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I, I like that that's something that really ties these two men together. And they're, of course, more alike than they'd care to admit because they're estranged. They're, you know, father and son who've had this split between them. But yeah, those same patterns are kind of getting repeated here with Riker and the the academy and stuff and we'll see it as well later on the pegasus as revealed in the episode the pegasus where riker focuses solely on the duty of protecting protecting his captain against the mutiny and stuff so it's interesting something that echoes through their lives for sure yeah that's the part that kind of ties it together for me absolutely well any final thoughts and maybe a rating for deny thy father so I was surprised that I liked this book as much as I did, because as I was reading it, I did briefly at one point go into Goodreads, and I did not see a lot of good reviews. I saw some <laughs> low scores. I thought, oh, this is going to be a real stinker. But I found myself really starting to enjoy it. I really liked this book. I mean, it's not my favorite, but I really did enjoy it. I, and for all the reasons we said... I really related to Will and his time at the Academy and dealing with his friends and dealing with romance and all these things. All the all of that kind of played out where I enjoyed it because I could relate to some of those things that he was going through. And then the storyline with Kyle was very interesting. And a lot of things would happen that were unexpected. I was expecting one thing to happen and then it didn't. So I appreciated that too. And then how it tied up at the end. So I did enjoy this book, so I would say that I would give this four out of five cadets lost in San Francisco. Nice. That's a really good rating. Absolutely. I find myself agreeing with a lot of what you said. I enjoyed this book, like you said, more than I expected to because I I didn't really read the ratings, but I did give a kind of quick perusal of some thoughts online and, and star ratings and stuff. And yeah, there were some low ones out there. So I was like, okay, I'm going to try and divorce my experience from those and try and, you know, come at it fresh. And I did find that I was really enjoying this. I'm not the biggest fan of the Kyle Riker character. He just kind of seems a bit bland to me and that kind of thing. I'm not a big fan of that particular episode either for the most part, especially the Kyle Riker part of the episode. So, you know, I wasn't like, oh, great, Kyle Riker. I can't wait to read about him. But the Will Riker stuff, like you said earlier, I really found I connected to a lot of that stuff. And I was like, oh, I've been there. I felt that. I've, I've experienced that. So that was a really nice hook into the story. And then the Kyle Riker stuff I found interesting and compelling on top of that. So, yeah, I some little things was nagging me at the back of my head through the whole book is that Admiral Paris was a 
an instructor at the academy this at this time and an admiral and i was like wasn't he a captain of the albatani that like janeway was with him on like what's going on here that doesn't make any sense then right at the very end of the book like in the middle of this crisis Admiral Paris turns to Kalarag, who's like, mm, you know what? I think I'm going to go back out there and take a ship, the Albatani, and do some exploring. And Riker's like, why are you telling me this now? This is weird. And I almost expected his next line to be like, well, because the author kind of forgot that that's where I'm supposed to be right now. So this is a last minute <laughs> fix. I don't know that that's true, but I was like, I I would be willing to like say that that's a pretty good hypothesis. Yes. And even Kyle says, you know, well, I hope you have a lot of great officers and cadets on there. Like this Janeway. She's great. Right. Oh, if I could have a bunch of hers, you know, (laughs) (laughs) exactly. I was like, Hmm, this seems kind of tacked on. I wonder if it was, but that's neither here nor there. And the other thing was we get Kate Pulaski a little bit in the novel, mostly referred to not really seen that much. I totally expected her to be more in this novel. This isn't like, I'm not like disappointed she wasn't or anything like that. I was just like, oh, I thought we'd get a little bit more insight into their relationship. We do get a bit, but it's definitely not like a big focus of the novel. But all that said, I did really enjoy the novel. I thought it was fairly compelling. I read through it fairly quickly, did enjoy it cover to cover. So yeah, I think I'll have to give it four out of five pips that Riker is eventually going to get as captain of the Titan. We see the beginning of his career here, and then that's maybe not the end of his career, but a much later part of his career that we see later. So, And then we know that later in his career, he likes to make pizza. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when you're not counting pips and making pizza, where can we find you online, Bruce? You can find me at Admiral underscore Rex. That's Admiral with the underline, then Rex. And you can also find me on the Star Wars Report podcast. I just realized, I think we're recording tomorrow, but I don't have that on the calendar. Um, Oh. (laughs) And then you can find me occasionally, been guesting occasionally on Literary Treks. And that's about it. Excellent. You can find me on Twitter at Kurtrats. You can find me on YouTube.com slash Kurtrats Productions. And, of course, in the Positively Trek discussion group on Facebook, my favorite place to talk about Star Trek with our wonderful listeners out there. So thank you all so much for listening. And thank you, of course, to the Patreon supporters for all of your help in bringing these episodes to you. I really do appreciate it. And until next time, as always, stay positive. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.